Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. I'm really excited today as we continue our message series entitled The Walk. And if you're just joining with us, let me kind of catch you up to speed. We're, we're taking a, a journey through a very practical book of the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, um, the Bible, there are different books within one book, the Bible. However, they're really letters. They're really letters to churches, to individuals, to be able to challenge people. And uh, James is one of the books in the New Testament. And James is a man who was a brother of Jesus Christ. And so James was an individual that would have seen the heart of Jesus, would have understood exactly why he said the things that he talked about. And so if you ever really wanted to understand a little bit of the character of Christ, to be able to get behind all the things that he said, all the do's and the don'ts, all right, what did Jesus really mean about this or what was his heart? Um, James would be an individual who would definitely understand that and be able to give us wisdoms. Now, Last week, if you were here, you remember he was very practical with regards to communication. And we talked about quick, slow, slow. We we talked specifically about being quick to listen, being slow to speak, and being slow to anger. And my prayer for this past week, for some of you who heard that message, I pray that you put that into application this week. And this week, here's my promise. If you're in this room and you haven't been in church in a very long time, maybe you've never been in the church, never darkened the door of a church, and your friends drag you here. I'm excited that you're here. And here's my promise for you. Um, you're going to learn a lot today. And you're going to learn a lot, and I don't mean that um, from a standpoint of education, but you're really, really going to see through the writings of James um, an understanding. And you're probably going to be able to connect with a lot of what I'm about to say. If you've been a Christian for about 35 years, and you've gone to church all of your life, um, I might step on your toes a little bit today, because James does. And this passage of Scripture um, is really dear to my heart because it is the essence of the character of Christ. If you ever wanted to understand what Jesus meant when he taught, you're going to see the heartbeat of it today. In order to set that up, I was reading an article in a retired Methodist pastor. He did some statistics on church. And I want you to take a look at these statistics. His name is Charles Allen, Dr. Charles Allen. And he said this, 10% of the members of churches cannot be found. He said 20% never attend, 25% never pray, 35% never read the Bible. And to be honest, you've heard me say the real statistic of that is about eight, over 80% of individuals who go to church have never read through the Bible in their life. 40% never give financially to the church, 75% never assume any church task, 85% never invite anyone to church, 95% never win a soul to Christ, but 100% of them expect to go to heaven. And when we look at that, it's interesting because if you've been in church or you've been a Christian for a long time, when you take a look at the top of that list and you work your way down, you see different things from the Bible come alive. And you say, you know, as a Christian, I should do that. As a Christian, I should be a part of that. As a Christian, that should be something that I do. Well, when we talk about members in a church, people who say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and I follow him, then why is it that these stats don't surprise any of us in this room? Why is it that 25% of people don't pray, but yet we read all throughout Scripture about talking to God? 
Well, James is going to get to the heart of it, and we're going to do an illustration here that will speak to the heart of that. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to James chapter 2.14. You can follow along on this TV screen here in just a second. You have your iPads, your iPhones, you can do that. Or if you have the Version Bible app, again, we provide all of the notes so you don't have to write a thing that are provided on that app. And so if you find that app, you'll search our church and you'll find all of the notes. But without further ado, the book of James chapter 2, verse 14. Here we go. James says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? Pause. Last week, if you remember, James is specifically talking to the Christians. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, to people who say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And so in other words, what he's about to say, there's no excuse in this room that if you believe in Jesus, he's talking to you. You can't sit there and say, well, well, you know, he doesn't understand my situation. Well, he doesn't understand all the hard times. No, 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 no. Doesn't matter your history. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter your economy. Doesn't matter your relationships. He's talking to you. Dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? This is pretty groundbreaking here, so don't miss this. Because what James is about to say is this. Okay, Christians, you say that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you know that you're going to go to heaven. And James all of a sudden does a record screech. He says, okay, Christians, what good is it if you say you have faith but you don't do anything? Can that save anyone? In other words, he's getting to the heart of Christians. If you're not doing anything with your faith, are you really a Christian? Oh, freaks us out a little bit when we read that. Wait a second. We're talking about good works here. Hold on a second. Now, let me, let, me, let me preface something here. I grew up in a church where I believed in God. I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross. But if I were to be honest in describing, if I could do an ESPN telecast of my faith, first of all, it would be hilarious. But second of all, I would show you my youth and I would telestrate for you. I don't even know if that's a word, but it sounded good. Telestrate for you. You can mark that down. We'll submit it to Webster's. Me going to church faithfully, check. When I'm at church, smiling, encouraging, being kind, check. During the week, Monday through Saturday, doing good things, check. But if you were to ask me in looking at my life, Terry, do you... Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Do you know beyond a shadow of that today that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? That's where that checkbox goes. I said, mm, I don't know. And so a lot of times I grew up as a Christian thinking that if I was good and I did good and if I went to church, that I would go to heaven. That's not what James is talking about here. James is not sitting here and talking and saying, hey, if you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven. That's not what James is talking about. So I want to clear that in here. And we're going to explain more of that in just a little bit. What he really is saying is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to want to do good works. In fact, Martin Luther says this, and I want you to write this down. Good works do not make a good man, but a good man does good works. Good works does not make a good man, but a good man does good works. So James right now is he's drawing a parallel. He's saying, hey, hand in hand, your actions, your faith. He continues on. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say, goodbye, have a good day. Stay warm, eat well. Bless your heart. That's not in there, but I figured I'd throw it in. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Pause. 
freaks us out a little bit. James says, faith by itself is not enough, people. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, for those of you that are Bible study students, you know this. You can read the the writings of another man by the name of Paul. And Paul will write through a lot of different letters about that the only thing that you need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That as long as you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it is by faith alone. It's not by your good works. It's not by what you do. Nothing you can do can earn your way to heaven. And Paul speaks about that to every believer in Jesus Christ personally to their heart. So some of you might say, well, Terry, wait a second. Paul says that, and James just got done saying faith alone is not enough. Controversy, conflicting. No, it's not. What James is focused on to the believers is not our hearts. What James is speaking to today are the people around us having an outward focus. James is speaking to the heart of Christianity. James is speaking to what Jesus came for. And I'll get more into that in just a second. And so let's continue on in James. You'll get it. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? He basically said, look, you can believe that there's God and you can believe he died on a cross, but even the demons believe this. And they live in hell. So you see, faith not alone. Faith alone is useless and dead. Let me explain this a little bit better. A table here in front of you. If you're a Christian in this room, you believe unapologetically that the Bible is true. Unapologetically that the Bible is true. And as you believe that, What you say is, Terry, that we can find the answers to life. That when we read and we study this information, it makes us better. That this information has the key to unlocking everything. And so you believe that the Bible is true. However, if we were all honest in this room, there are many of you that struggle in this room because you believe that the Bible is true. But if you were going to transparently open your heart And you were to say this, you know, Terry, I believe that God says in his word that we can trust him, that if we just trust him with our resources, he would open up the floodgates of heaven. And I believe that's true. But some of you right now are facing an economic crisis that you never faced before. Some of you are trembling as you're sitting here. Some of you are doubting even in the existence of God, because while you believe that the Bible is true and you believe that in everything that God says, the truth of the matter is you're struggling and you're struggling with here. Truth sometimes can allow you at times to look at your life and make it difficult. There are many individuals who walk away from, tr- from church. Because when I ask them, I have lunches all the time, and there's many individuals that have gone to church all their life, and they stopped going to church. And I said, tell me why you stopped going to the church. And their answers, I hate to say it, their answers revolve around this. Well, I got judged in church. Well, I made a mistake and I got laughed at or I got judged and I left the church. Well, you know what? There were just too many perfect people. I couldn't make any mistakes. Well, you know, Terry, and one of them is this. You know, Terry, every time that I had the problem, if I struggled, they would tell me, you just need to have faith, brother. 
You just need to have faith. The Bible is true. You just need to have faith. And the problem is, is that yes, the Bible is true. But the truth is that life is messy. Life is difficult. There are individuals that are struggling left and right that are godly individuals. We just had a funeral this past week of one of the most godliest saints. And I looked at many brothers and sisters who have believed in Jesus all their life. And they've looked at me and they say, Terry, I love Jesus and I believe in him, but I got some questions for him because I just don't get it. Why her? Why now? And so it's messy at times. There's awesome. Many of us in this room believe in quantity. Terry, if you're a Christian, you need to be in church. You need to be in church every single Sunday. You need to go to Bible study. You need to go to church. That's good. And by the way, if I ever have lunch with you and you miss church the week before or you're going to miss church the next week, you don't need to apologize to me as the pastor. I am not the attendance police. That is between you and God. So please, I am not the judger of your faith because of your attendance. I promise you. So you get a pass. If you ever are with me, you don't have to explain why you weren't here. But many of you, some of you have been in church for 30 years. And you say, I have been in church 30 years. I have only missed one Sunday. And that's great. However, there are some of you that have been sitting in church a long time. But when we talk about quality, and if I were to ask you, what have you done with the time that you've had? With all the information that you've had, what have you done? And there are many individuals in this room that say, yeah, that person has been in church all their life, but hmm, let me tell you, the quality is not there. And so we have an issue. We have quantity. We have quality. There are some in this room that have great faith. Your pillars, your rocks. And while you've grown up in church, no matter what hits you, you stand in front of your family and your friends and you have strong faith strong faith. And there are some of you that have left the church, some of you that have left Christianity because there are so many individuals around you that look amazing in their faith. But if we were all honest in this room, every single one in the balcony on the floor, watching online, if we were all honest, every single one of us Christians at times in our life because of stress challenges have had doubt at the same time. And there are some Christians that will say, well, Terry, no, it's faith, faith. And don't you dare doubt God. Don't you dare have any doubt. It's faith. And that's difficult for some of us in this room because some of us in the room, we feel guilty because when all of a sudden we doubt, we think something's wrong with us. I don't know about you, but I know a story in the Bible of a man named Peter. And I read countless times where Peter had strong faith, but Peter doubted all the time. So how do you reconcile between faith and doubt? Here's one that is really passionate of mine. There are many of us that have really strong beliefs. You've uttered the words, I believe, I believe in political situations, in situations at home. I believe we should do this. I believe we should do this. In social settings, well, I believe this. I want to tell you something. It is great to have strong beliefs. But I want to caution you that have strong beliefs. Because your strong beliefs should never matter more than people. 
Jesus Christ, if you read through the ministry of Jesus Christ, if you read through every interaction that he had with a group of people called the Pharisees, the Pharisees had the strongest beliefs that you could ever imagine. And Jesus walked in and he challenged their beliefs. Why? Because he loved people more. And he kept challenging the Pharisees. You can have strong beliefs, but the minute your beliefs are more important than people, something is wrong. Because the greatest commandment is to love God first and then do what? Love people. And some of us struggle with that. Here's another thing we struggle with. And I, as a pastor, have been guilty of this at times. In Christianity, sometimes we think that to be stronger in our faith means to live to the ideal. That means to try and be the perfect picture. That means when life is tough, that we say, no, 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 I can't show weakness. I can't show sadness because that is not Christ-like. No, I have to have joy. No, I know everything's crumbling around me, but you know what? It's not right for me to walk into church and to be real. I need to walk into church and say, you know what? I'm going to lose my house tomorrow. My kids hate me, but you know what? God's good. And meanwhile, in your heart, you're dying. It's because all of your life, you kept thinking that Christianity is about being a perfect picture. And that's never what Christianity is supposed to be or what church is supposed to be. In fact, you can look all through Scripture, and I've said this before in this church, and I will tell you again, there is no perfect people in this church. There is no perfect faith in this church. There are only broken people in this church. And I'm one of them. And if you struggle with me calling you broken, then I need to pray for you. Because here's what I found in my faith, in the balcony and on the floor. The more broken I am, the stronger in my faith I become. And so the minute that we all of a sudden understand, you know what? Through our brokenness, we have incredible faith. It's not about perfect pictures. It's about being broken and understanding what he's wanting to do. Could you imagine in this church if all of us would just put the perfect picture away and actually be real about the struggles that we face? Without fear of gossip, without fear of judgment, without fear of people looking down on us. Could you imagine if the church actually was what we call it to be, what God wanted it to be, where if we had a struggle, we could come into a safe place where people would put their arms around us and say, brother, you don't need to apologize for anything because none of us are perfect. And you know what, brother? We need to come alongside of you and we need to pray for you and we need to love on you and we need to help in any way we can. Wouldn't that be awesome? Here's the last thing. Many of us think that Christianity and faith is about this side being good. And many of us parents are guilty of confusing this next one. We look at our kids and we tell them, be good. Be good. And we've grown up in our faith to think that we should be good. But I don't think that's what Jesus wanted us to do. I don't think he wanted us to be good. I think Jesus wanted us to do good. Because if you are good, you will do good. And unfortunately in our lives, there are many of us that love walking around with our heads high and say, I'm good. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm a good parent. I'm a good Christian. But if I were to ask you today, that's great. What have you done this week 
to encourage a brother, a sister, a family member, a neighbor? What have you done to be able to invest in someone in a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you can't say as a Christian that you've done anything this week to invest in somebody else, to point them to the incredible love and grace of Christ, then you might be like me at times, guilty of being good and not doing good. James continues on. He says, now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Don't miss this. James basically says this. You can judge me by my faith, by the following. Yes, I know the Bible, and I love the Bible, and I believe the Bible is God's Word. But even more important than that is that when I read the Bible... And when I look at the truth that's in the Bible, I take the truth of what's in the Bible and I apply it to my life. And I look for opportunities to be truth in the world, to be able to take the principles, apply them, and love people with the truth. I'm going to say something that's going to step on some of your toes. There are some of you that have been in church and you have been faithful. You've come to church 50 times a year. And you've gone to Bible study every single week. And you've been going to that same Bible study for 35 years. And you love it. And God bless you. It's awesome. But if I was your teacher in that class and I had you for 35 years, the next question out of my mouth would look at you and say this, what are you doing with all the information that you've been given? What are you doing this week? What are you doing in your neighborhood? What are you doing in your family? What are you doing for your church? And if you can't answer that question, the best thing that I could do as your teacher is to say this, you need to get the heck out of my class. Because you have gotten all the information in the world and you're not doing anything with it. So you need to move and you need to move somewhere else and you need to start doing something. I might have said this in the last few weeks, I can't remember, but I'm going to say it again. There are many of us that confuse discipleship as more information. Discipleship. Get them into a Bible study class. That's discipleship. Discipleship is not more information. You can look through the Bible and you can read through the Bible. You want to know what discipleship is? It's not about information. Discipleship is about relationship. Discipleship is about pouring into another individual. Discipleship is about taking the truth from the Bible and encouraging one another to practically put that truth into action. Because what good is it, James says, if you study the Bible all your life, and you have all this knowledge and all of this information, and you don't do anything with it? I got on a rabbit trail there. I'll continue on. Many of you think, Terry, it's about quantity. If I go to church every single week, then by my actions, I will be okay. Some of you parents think this. If I just put my kids into church, if I just put my kids into the youth building, if I just put my kids in the preschool and elementary, that the church will fix my kids. Then why is it that seven or eight out of our church kids grow up in church, leave church, and stop going to church? Why? Because it's not about quantity. And it's not just about 
quality. Because some of you say, aha, if you haven't gone to church in a long time, you say, aha, see, we don't have to go to church as a family. I don't have to bring my, bring my kids and be involved. They'll just be fine. I just need to pour into them once a year and they'll be great. No, that's not either. So it's not quality. It's not quantity. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's the quality of the quantity that matters. It's both. And we're going to lose another generation if we don't get on it. 35% today of population say this, that they doubt the existence of God. 35% in our country today. They doubt the existence of God. And I think it's because many of us think one or many of us think just the other. And James is saying, no, it's a combination of both. Here's the truth. Many of us have strong faith, but if you can't recognize and you can't be honest in your faith to say, you know, Terry, there are times that I have doubt and it's okay to have doubt because God's bigger than my doubt. And if you could just be real with your neighbors and your friends, instead of looking at them and casting judgment on them to say, well, you know, if you just go to church more often, you'd be a better person. Guess what? I know some people that go to church all the time and they don't act like good people. Not from our church, of course. I already said this before. If your beliefs are more important than people, then I promise you, you missed it. If your beliefs are more important than people, you missed all that Jesus said and did. If you're a perfect picture and you're a Martha in the room and it's all about everything being perfect and you struggle because you don't want to be around people or Christians that are not perfect. God cares more about you being broken than he does about you being perfect. I can promise you that. And last but not least, and this will kind of ramp us up to our close. It's time to stop being good. It's time to start doing good. Because if you are good, you'll do good. And I'm going to challenge you in this room that if you believe that God is really good, if you are sitting there and you agree with me, Terry, God is good. If you have said that before, then I'm going to give you some, some parameters because I don't think in our church anymore we can say certain things unless we want to live them. If you believe that God is really good, then act like it. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say God is good unless you plan to do good. Amen. Amen. Don't say God forgives unless you plan to forgive. And don't say God loves unless you're willing to love. Now, don't get me wrong about works. Look at this next one. You don't do good to get God's approval. You don't do good to go to heaven. And you can't do good without Jesus living through you. So don't mistake it's all about works. It's not that. But practically speaking, you should do good to reflect Christ's character. You should do good because you were created in his image. You should do good because he put his spirit in you to do good. And bottom line, you should do good because he commanded you to do good. Why is the church dying in places? Why can you drive around Myrtle Beach in many different areas and not see the doors opening with tons of people walking in because we've got a lot of Christians that are good 
but don't do any earthly good. We major on the minors instead of majoring on the majors. Let me close by saying this. There was a man by the name of John Wesley. And if you've heard of Wesley, but if you haven't studied him, he's incredible. John Wesley in England was a rock star because John Wesley was one of the first pastors to basically come in and say this. You know what, people? I think it's really, really important for us to talk about Christianity in the light of others. I think it's really, really important for us to actually take what God's giving us and to really practically put it into use. And that flew in the face of Christianity during times in England. But I close this service by challenging you here in this room. If you are a Christian, well, first, let me say, if you're not a Christian, I know in your heart you're saying it's about time some Christians actually talked about doing good instead of condemning people. If you're a Christian in this room, it's time to take what God has given you and to start practically putting it into practice. And Wesley said it best. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, in all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. As long as you have breath as a believer in Jesus Christ, that when God, through his word, says, Terry, you're not doing this, you need to do this, yes. It's time to stop saying, but God, but, but God, no. But God, you don't understand. No. But God, I'm really busy as a dad and I'm providing for my family. No. What good is it if you have all the information in the world and you have all the success in the world, but you lose your family, your friends, and your influence for Christ? Do all that you can whenever you can. Let's pray. This message spoke to me and so if you're new in this place if you if you know me God is speaking to my heart and so in just a moment we're going to sing a song together but here's my prayer for you that as we sing that you in your heart would say, God, it's time to stop playing Christian and it's time to start doing what you've called me to do. So wherever God spoke to your heart, I pray that you can say, God, I will stand on the mountain. God, I will put into practice what you've called me to do. And God, I will trust you in it. So Father, right now, as we stand and sing in a moment, I pray that we would continue to speak to you in our hearts, that we would pray to you in our hearts And God, ultimately, that we would see you move in our hearts. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.